I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I've got a Diet Coke for you. <laughs> uh, and my name is Colin Drucker, and I prayed for you. I prayed for you, Rachel. <laughs> oh, Colin. I know. I have to say it right off the bat, I was like, is this... Is this one of my favorite movies that I never knew was my favorite movie? <laughs> I know. Honestly, I, the whole time I was like, yes, this is everything I've ever wanted. In a, I mean, I'm overwhelmed. I, I wanted to text you that and like really gush, but I, I saved it for the pod. Yeah. Hashtag save it for the pod. But I love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie. I cannot wait to talk about it. And I'm, I'm so glad we've, we've kind of like you know, made references before, but we were thinking about what episode to do this week. And you're like, Rachel getting married. I was like, done. And then, yeah. oh, what a journey. Yeah. What a journey I went on yesterday. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm glad you saved it for the pod. Like, oh. this is, because I didn't know, and I was like curious, like, I figured you were going to enjoy it. I know you'd like, you'd seen it before, right? Like, this wasn't. I have. So I, yeah. So I was like, okay, I, this seems like safe territory. We'll find some common ground. But I'm glad to hear this, that like. Because I'm feeling the same way. I'm like, Rachel getting married is giving me, like, check off the list of things that I want. It's giving me that. And yes. um, it's, yeah, I, this is a beautiful movie. At times I am like, it, there's so many moments of like, nobody told her to do that. Or like, how could you direct mm. somebody to do that? It feels so improvisational. Um, I don't know if it is. Like, it. I, I know that, like, some of the characters in the movie, like, some of the more, like, small, like, mentioned characters throughout the wedding ceremony and and uh, rehearsal, like, in the cast list, like, it's the same name. Like, they're not, they're sort of playing themselves. So it, like, yes. there's moments where this does blur the lines of, like, am I just watching a wedding video right now? Um, yes. With, like, you know, a, a traditional movie. But, uh, indeed, all of this gushing, in case you did not, figure it out is over 2006's no 2008 i don't have my glasses on you can't see without his glasses uh 2008's rachel getting married which uh of course uh, stars uh anne hathaway previous bsa uh alum best supporting podcast alum yes. uh but is also just like filled like it's just a huge cast and so many women, so many great women from like one line roles to, you know, Deborah fucking winger. Uh, lots of great women in yes. this movie. Um, I, I mean, just initial takeaways. Like I'm even more obsessed with Anna Devere Smith than I, than I ever was in my life. <laughs> I, I, 
I mean, that Diet Coke line, I immediately laughed. I was like, of course you'd have a Diet Coke for her. Right? It was just so sweet and um, so specific. And you're right. It's like there's so much of this movie. I, I feel like I owned this movie, actually. I feel like I was just like... You know, back in my, I mean, in my cataloging days is what I almost said, but like, I'm always cataloging. Right. Um, and I was like, this is an oscar sort of movie. I love Anne Hathaway. I'm going to buy this. And I watched it. And it isn't really a movie that you put in like, you know, every weekend, but um, it is definitely a movie to go back and revisit and, and that we did. But I, I do feel like when I was reading IMDb trivia that they just kind of like let them party you know what i mean like yeah. this wedding is like what dreams are made of it's a little chaotic at sometimes i have like things that i would definitely take out but also there's so much love and like jubilation really it is just like um yeah and underneath that is like this current of grief that is just like it's the perfect set piece for a film uh, you know about addiction about forgiveness about grief um yeah and but also joy and a lot of really happy things um in their lives. I mean, specifically the wedding too. I, I, I just can't say enough about it. I'm so excited. Yeah, no, I hear you. It really is. I I love that lens that Rachel getting married is like watching, you know, at least in terms of like the core family, the core cast, like watching a bunch of like traumatized people try to have a celebration and, you know, try to navigate around all of the, you know, the wet spots on the bread and, and, and enjoy the sandwich. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, Let's let's jump in. Let's because I think I I yes. own this as well. I I did have this on DVD, um, which I know does means almost nothing. But I don't own many movies on DVD, so to me, that's yeah. a commitment. You know. Um, yeah. So, do you remember like you know you said you owned, do you remember like the first time you saw it or when when this movie came into your life? I think I saw it. I don't know if I saw it in theaters. I think I just bought it on DVD, which is typically, you know, back in the day, like a year later, anywhere from like six months to a year, I feel Mm -hmm. there was a good interim there. I remember Anne Hathaway being nominated for it. And I think I had seen it by then, too. And like if I was to just pick out like the broad strokes of what I remember, I remember her driving the car in the woods. Mm -hmm. I remember everything being uncomfortable <laughs> yes but like also it's not cringe even though sometimes it, it's borderline cringe it's just like i don't know there's like a, a fine line between uncomfortable i mean they both kind of live in the same neighborhood but um i remember like the big blowout fights there's really like two of them too which is amazing mm-hmm. and i mean rosemary dewitt <laughs> is a star and I have no I looked at her IMDb yesterday and I don't know why we are not like cast Rosemary DeWitt and everything she has like such like a Helen Hunt yes oh yeah good call and that that I just really love this sort of like masculine voice sort of but also like just a powerful actress I, I just love her and um and and that's pretty much the broad strokes. I'm just kind of going through my head, but um, yeah, and and knowing that I really liked it, but not fully. I mean, I I don't have anyone in my life that um, that suffers from addiction too. So like, I I don't. But at the same time, they it, it depicts it so well that you 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 know what that is. It's like the aftermath of like not even addiction, but also like a terrible tragedy because of addiction too. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's adding another layer to that sandwich. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like it's one of those movies that like, I don't know anyone. 
like I don't have anyone like close in my life who's done like you know uh going in and out of rehab or like any sort of I don't have like a Mm -hmm. similar narrative like this like there's certainly like you know cousins and family members and whatnot that have dealt with alcohol and drugs and whatnot it's you know big Irish Catholic family what do you expect but I uh I still I think what I what I definitely recognized is there is that model of like the dysfunctional family and everyone plays a role, you know? And like, it's as if it's like a, you know, a play with like a stock cast and like everybody has kind of their, um, their function within the dysfunction. And I think, um, if for Kim, which I feel like with this movie, it's like, my mind always goes to the assumption of like, Oh yeah. Anne plays Rachel because Anne is the star of Rachel getting married. But, uh, I think I sort of love that. Like Rachel is, is, a large supporting role, but it, she's not the lead character. But Kim, played by Anne Hathaway, is really the, um, like, she's the electricity that charges all of this. Like, she's the tornado that blows through. And I think over the years, like, I've, and maybe as I've gotten older and gotten, like, further away from, like, her age and, like, even, like, friends I've had who are kind of like her, I can, like, more mm-hmm. and more recognize um how good this performance is and how real this is. Like as I move further away from like, you know, you know, friends with drinking problems and like me, you know, drinking way too much in my twenties and kind of just being within a tornado of people who are similar to this. And now I'm kind of, I don't really have people like this in my life anymore. I can recognize Kim so much more. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I think I I can't remember like where, Oh, sorry. (laughs) I can't remember, like, on the timeline of Anne Hathaway. I'm going to look it up now just to see, like, I feel like this was her first Oscar nomination, I would say. That is a good question. Um, I think so. Was she only nominated for Les Mis and this? I'm looking this up right now as we talk. Thank IMDb should really be a sponsor of this podcast. Uh, I know. Yes, she, I'm because I'm looking to, this was her first nomination uh, and then her second one and her win was for Les Mis. And, you know, her first of three Golden Globe nominations because she was nominated in 2011 for Love and Other Drugs, which not even having yes. seen it, I'm like, oh, it's so Globesy. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it really is. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also feel like, you know, there's, and we, I think we talked about this probably a lot in the Les Mis episode, but there's also, like, the trajectory of, like, the Anne Hathaway hate and, like, you know, kind of just seeing yes. her as that that precocious uh, Leah Michelle kind of character, you know, a real-life character and sort of when and how that evolved. Because at this point, I mm-hmm. mean, what's crazy is, like, she would... To me, her role in Brokeback Mountain, that little hmm on the phone at the end, validated Anne Hathaway for me for the rest of her career. And that was 2005. That was pre-Devil Wears Prada. That was pre-Rachel getting married. But I I do feel like there is some sense of like, okay, here she is in like a a gritty lead role. I think we were talking about somebody last week who we wanted to see in like a gritty role like this. We've always, Oh, it's Maria Bakalova. Maria Bakalova. She was <laughs> Maria getting married. Like she was doing what we want to see Maria do. Uh, and, uh, yes. and I think that to me, that feels like a big turning point in her career. Yeah. A really like just perfect vehicle because princess diaries was 2001. And then there are some stuff in between there too. And then, Brokeback Mountain was in 2005. Devil Wears Prada was in 2006. Then we have, like, Becoming Jane and Get Smart, both movies I saw. Oh, you did see them. Wow. Those... I did. I did. God, um, even Steve Get Carell's Smart. Really good and get... 
Yeah, I know. I think I saw that movie with my brother in the theaters. Um, and then in 2008 was Rachel getting married too. So like, it really is like this sort of perfectly timed evolution, really. I think, uh, you know, Brokeback Mountain maybe was responsible for this role because had she just been doing Becoming Jane and, uh, you know, being Mia Thermopolis and uh, Princess Diaries, it, it might have not, I don't say might not have happened, but I'm so glad it did. I, I think that there is... Keon and I were talking last night um, about Anne Hathaway, and it's just like, I don't know if he read an article, or maybe this was his own thought, too, that um, it's like Anne Hathaway is like the popular pretty girl that like everything comes easy to, and she's really kind of good at everything, and you hate her, but you don't know why. Like, mm-hmm. if I was to really ask anyone, like, why do you hate Anne Hathaway? Like, the answer, like, oh, I don't know, there's just something about her. Right. It's not good enough for me. It's, it's not. I just think um, you have to... One, you don't know her. You don't know her in real life. You just know her work. And yeah, maybe she's a little weird in interviews or you might not like. It's just so funny how we take ownership of like who we like and who we don't like. It's the same thing with like Drag Race and any other fandom too. It's like if you don't see yourself in that person, um, you just immediately dismiss them or for whatever reason. But I love Anne. Yeah. It's also like judging somebody on like an interview you saw them do 16 years ago. You know, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't like me either if I saw me in an interview 16 years ago. So there's also like oh, that. Yeah. Of like, you know, and that's something I uh, I definitely saw with, uh, with Kim and have seen in other things I've been watching recently where I'm like, oh, this feels so familiar not only because I had friends who were like this, but there was a, there was a way in which I was like this. And I think that's what makes me cringe the most is like when, when I think of like in my twenties, when I did drink a lot and I kind of think about how I carried myself in situations or, or the way I thought conversations were going or how I sounded in those conversations. Like I think about the wedding toast at the, or the toast at the audition, or the, I keep saying audition, I mean rehearsal. I'm getting my, yes. getting my theater words mixed up. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I've got my footlights You're in my mouth. You're the movie to Rachel. <laughs> oh, did you see Rachel? <laughs> oh, Rachel. Um, thank you, Rachel. And so I, um, but I think about like that, I think about that, that rehearsal dinner and her giving that speech and kind of thinking that she's killing it and immediately thinking, oh God, when has this been me at a bar thinking I was holding court, you know? Yeah. And I just wasn't. Oh, so good. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, Anne, of course, being the star and we being Best Supporting Podcast, there are so many supporting characters I think we need to, and, and supporting actors that I think we need to give some love to as well. So you mentioned Rosemary DeWitt, who I, who plays Rachel and who I, I feel like I've seen this movie so many times that her performance just like I keep forgetting to like pay attention to it because I think it's also like the most even keeled yes. in the movie. But I uh she I think yes yeah, she's great. I think the challenge with Rachel is that she even in those like big fight scenes like she never gets to really lose her shit. You know, like she I feel like yes. the narrative you kind of get with Rachel in this family is that she's always been the one to kind of have her shit together mm-hmm. i mean it's like when you kind of think of the core family and you think of uh paul bill Irwin's character we'll certainly talk about and you know pre-carol yeah. thinking about deborah winger's character abby um and then we obviously don't meet ethan but then um 
Rosemary, uh, Rachel and Kim, it's like we already see that Abby is like really aloof and like kind of cold and Paul is really neurotic and and uh, agree, sort of hovering all the time. And Kim is sort of keeping their is either pushing their mother away or keeping their father busy. And so like Rachel has no choice but to be the one like getting her shit together, getting married, you know, getting her Ph.D., um, and like being the stable energy in the house. I feel like, you know, the only more st- other stable person in this family is Olive, the dog, you know? Yes. I mean, oh gosh. It's so funny that like, I mean, I guess I'll save my talk for De- when we, when we get to Deborah Wing or two, but like, she is kind of the glue in many ways. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I mean, they're, they're getting together because of this, you know, occasion as well. But like, like there's so many thoughts okay so i i would say like spoiler alert but also like you know the reason why everything is so i mean the thing that happened shall we say is basically when kim was 16 she was stoned she drove her baby brother to the park they were you know having a great time and then on the way home she crashed flew into a river and then was too stoned to save her brother in the car seat and he drowned which is Oh, like horrific, yeah. horrific accidents. Like, um, uh, it's uh, no one recovers from that. I don't think fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do, it's it's a long it's a long road of uh, forgiveness and like. Uh, there's so much to mine there as well, and I think like the parents, like obviously that was their child, and Kim was the one who actually, you know, was responsible for it, so to speak. And then, um, you know, Rachel was just kind of like the other sibling, and mm-hmm. like. There's so much that she just has to deal with, like what you were saying, too, and even, like, dealing with her father. And I love the line of saying, like, I don't know if you know this, Kim, but, you know, I can barely talk to dad unless the sentence starts with your name or something like that. I love that uh, the sort of – that was in, like, the first fight, Yeah, I think. yeah. That was the um, – I think that was the – Yes, the the post rehearsal, or as I like to call it, audition yes, dinner. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I just think that there's, I think that there is like, I always love when an actress makes the choice to not scream. Mm-hmm. I guess if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, special, especially in the second fight, I think too, with like the Anna Devere Smith in the corner crying. Yes, which we will get to, which is even better than I remember. Uh, um, right? I, yeah. I think. Like, the way that she talks to her dad, and she's like, Dad, this is what's happening right now. Like, because I'm sure she has, over the years, had plenty of times where she has lost her shit, too. And, like, it's, like, it's her wedding at at the same time. It's, like, she doesn't want to be Bridezilla, but, like, there's a certain amount of maintenance that Kim requires and attention that Kim requires when she comes to any function, really. Yeah. And I think she knows that. Like, I, I love at first when Kim walks in and um and Rachel and her just kind of, like, sit on the bed and just kind of like snuggle with each other like there is love there too and especially like once she comes back the day of the wedding post car crash and just like how she just she could have easily just like closed the door on Kim yeah and just said no not dealing with this today this is this is you you did this and she gives her a bath and gets her ready and they have the wedding I'm I'm jumping ahead but I I you know I'm just kind of going with my train of thought here but I think I just Go I was going to say, no, I think these are all kind of good examples of like what, you know, like what I think makes Rachel interesting, because I think in this movie, if she was just 
the frustrated older sister and we just saw the the blowouts and the argument after the rehearsal yes. dinner and all that it would be real and understanding and understandable and like you know i i wouldn't argue with any of that but i think what i like is like the those bookend scenes you talked about where like when kim first shows up and rachel and emma are you know working on the dress and then we have that whole scene of Rachel and Kim on, on the bed talking about their like old I think it was like an old friend of theirs who had some weird like sex fantasy about an ice skater or something oh yeah yeah and, yeah and it's an incredible moment because I'm like this can't be scripted the way you two are doing yeah. this is like if it's scripted I want to read the script like that's brilliant I know and I know. but they're playing so realistically I mean you completely forget in moments like that where it's like oh these are not real sisters like this is such a fully formed relationship and they have a history and they have a rapport and a banter and i thought it was really smart to show that like yes kim is a source of dysfunction in the family but i think by seeing that scene in the beginning of them bonding it's like that is like it's sort of the act one gun for when kim comes back towards the end and instead of just closing the door on her rachel you know forgives her and, and bathes her and ices her her eye and all that because it's like that's still there and like I think um, we just did on, uh, we haven't re released it yet, but we just recorded for a Matreon episode, the movie In Her Shoes. I don't know if you've seen that. Ooh, um, I've heard it, but I don't know why I'm blanking. It's, Go ahead. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's over two hours. You'd hate it. But it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, it stars like Tony Collette and Cameron Diaz and Shirley MacLaine. And it's sort of like a, you know, Ooh. a movie about sisters as well. But towards the end, um, Tony Collette, her character is having this, you know, this scene with her love interest, and she's and Cami Diaz is is playing kind of a calling her Cami Diaz, which is like a an all right Mary reference to her because Johnny calls her Cami Diaz or Cami D. Yeah, I don't call her that. I call her Cameron. We're on a Cameron basis, but uh, <laughs> Cameron Diaz is kind of the Kim of that movie, and uh, Tony Collette oh, is kind I of see. the Rachel of that movie, and Rachel saying to her fiance, you know, like she's always going to be in my life. Like I don't make sense without her. And like, I can see the dysfunction and I could see the rationale for pushing her out of my life, but like I'm never going to. And I think it's the same here with Rachel and Kim that like, you know, when Kim shows up towards the end, you know, with a, with a busted lip and a black eye, Rachel just kind of sees her little sister, you know, and not this sort of, you know, Shiva destroyer harbinger of doom, you know? Yeah. She, I think it's, there's like, um, it's almost like a logical sort of like crescendo to like any visit that they probably had in the past. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Okay. This is the part where we have our first fight, then we calm down, then we have a second fight, then Kim does something absolutely crazy. And then I forgive her and then we clean up and then say goodbye. Right. You know, it's, it's just, it's just how it is. I think it, there's something to be said for, um navigating addiction as like uh, you know on the on the outside of things i guess like watching a loved one kind of go through that too it's it's impossible in many ways to kind of support them because they have to help themselves and um it, just relapsing and going through rehab and like years and years and years of that and <clears throat> you know eventually learning out that or learning that she lies about stuff or has lied about things like it's it just keeps getting i hate to say the word juicier but i there are just like more layers of drama and conflict that just keep happening and and like the in the worst times like i'm thinking about that dishwasher scene mm -hmm. of of just like 
basically they have a contest of who can load the dishwasher fast enough or faster and it's really sweet although it goes on way too long and i was like okay um but the the whole point of that scene is that the dad did it better and he needs more plates and kim is the one that says dad here's some more plates and then in the in the midst of that stack is ethan's like plate as a kid and it just brings everything to a screeching halt but i was like yes i would like from a storytelling standpoint i was like this is perfect like the fact yeah. that they did that um it's like there's always like kind of it always shows up yeah there's little yeah. hints of the tragedy anywhere it's sort of unavoidable and i think you know with rachel it's like when i think about the fact that she's you know getting her phd in psychology you know like to me there's something about like that feels intentional of like i am going to become an expert on how to navigate you know uh human dysfunction like i am i've grown up with it all my life and now i'm going to get a phd in it and i think um you know it's like living in this house i feel like there's been there's been variations of the ethan plate throughout the years um that she's kind of like had to navigate and so um yeah i you know i will say about rosemary dewitt just to wrap up on her two things one I love her nose. I it's like such a yes. it's such a nose. Yes. It is a nose, and I love a nose. Um, so I love the nose. And the only thing I'll say, I mean, not, not to end on a negative note, but like you were saying before, that there are there's a fine line between like cringe and like discomfort, or like just kind of like uh, I don't know. And like, yeah, I one of the things going into this movie that I couldn't remember was like how cringy was some of the like rehearsal dinner stuff you know or in terms of just like i don't know like was it what you know was it too much dancing at a wedding for me you know <laughs> like the open mic night yes, like sort of yes. um comedy and music and just saying <laughs> yeah i that, that was the part where i thought of you and also the part where like given enough alcohol i'd be into it and i was like where are they right now it's just like but also it's just like fine i feel like there's there's a universe where i would just like embrace it and, like as a guest or something if i knew mm-hmm. the the people well enough yeah if it was like my family i would be so into it if i was like a, a you know someone's date i would be like what is happening here and it's not that it's unusual it's just like it's a lot it's very like communal it's very like um it's almost like a ritual of some sort too but i was like i i would have done without the live music the whole weekend those guys were driving me crazy oh, i was yeah. like stop playing music um but at the same time it's a beautiful sort of i love the idea of having like a weekend long celebration i think there's something to that as well too the whole family comes in and there's so like m- yeah and there's so many courses of like you know speeches yeah. and performances and so uh in terms of rosemary dewitt I, there was there were a few moments of like Rosemary Dewitt appreciating jazz. And I was like, Oh, like I hate, I hate watching people appreciate jazz. Like I just, I just, yes, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So I like, that was like my only, and it ended up and that may have been the only thing. Maybe that was the strongest cringe. And like, otherwise it was like, I appreciated the variety of it. Um, but it, it's like whenever anybody like stands up to give a speech at a, like a rehearsal dinner or like does a, you know, a, a speech for everybody, like, you know, in that sort of, you know, open mic setting, I'm like, oh, God, like the potential for like humiliation, the potential for embarrassment here. And I'm just like taking it on secondhand, you know? Yeah, that's how I felt like at the actual dinner dinner when they were just passing around the mic. But I do love the fact that like some people were like kind of nervous and some people like didn't say anything at all. And some people were really 
um, you know, succinct with what they wanted to say. And it was very like touching. And then like eventually it gets to Kim and she's, ugh, it's a, that's what, but also like, I think the whole family is used to Kim, you know, it's like everyone else. I was like taking on the energy of everyone else that was uncomfortable in that scene. And I had, I, I just had to look away. Like I didn't look through my fingers or anything. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It was, it went on. But it, it's good. It's yeah. all good stuff. Yeah. Like as it should, like it should go on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it was like, I, I wanted almost to fast forward of like, I know, I know how this is going to end. I don't need to sit through this, yeah. but like, <clears throat> I'm glad that I did. Um, yes. I I would love to just, you know, take us along to uh, – I want to talk about Andavir Smith, but I do want to stop at Bill Irwin first, if that's possible. Yeah. Um, yes. And I, I think he is, like, worthy of an Oscar nomination in this movie, at the very least. Like, I think he is very yeah. much on the BSA list. Um, he, yes. I've seen him before. I saw him play George – in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, like, a gazillion Ooh. years ago with Kathleen Turner. And he was, like, he, I guess he, like, has trained as a professional clown. And so he's got all of that, like, sort of, I don't want to say spastic, but, like, I feel like that's, I feel like that's kind of, like, not a good word anymore. But, like, I don't know. I He's got... Animated. Yeah, animated. Yeah, I, no, that makes perfect sense. Rubbery quality where he just, like, uses his entire body. And I feel like there's so much of that where it's, like, the way that he walks or the way, like the way that he cries obviously in that one scene is like perfect. Mm -hmm. Like you, you could see the clown makeup on him in that moment, you know? Oh yeah. Um, or even when he finds out about like, um, that Rachel's pregnant, the way that his mouth, like his jaw, like unhinges, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like that, that, that makes so much sense to me now. That's a, a nice little tidbit there. Yeah. He does have those like huge, there's, there's another moment I think during the performances after the rehearsal dinner where he has like some big open mouth gasp in the audience. One of my favorites, of course, is when after he finds out about Rachel, Rachel getting pregnant, uh, he it's like he starts he's like offering them food or something. And for some reason, he like takes Carol's face in his hands and he goes, do you want yes. a sandwich or something like that? Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. It's like nobody told you to do that. I don't even I. I like the idea of Anna Devere Smith not knowing that he was going to do that or knowing that he was going to do that. I don't know which I like more. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, I, I, I agree. Like, in a different, like, universe, like, there would have been so many nominations for this movie. There would have just been a lot more, like, awards love. Like, even, like, the director and, like, the writer of the script, like, as, as far as, like, how much was improv, how much was not, it's, like, the same conversation we had with, like, Borat last week, too. It's, like, how do you, do you just, like film the scene and then just write down whatever the actor said because sometimes I'm sure like with improv there are like moments of miracles it's like oh my god I could have never written that yeah like I just don't know how you is it like what comes first the chicken or the egg sort of situation with like improv sort of movies like that but yeah Bill Irwin I would have given it to and it, I mean Anne Hathaway was the only one um who did get nominated I would love to see Rosemary DeWitt like Deborah Winger has like what happened to Deborah Winger it's like it seems like a a podcast series. Yeah, whatever happened to Deborah Winger? So Deborah Winger. So let's let's talk. We'll talk about Deborah Winger. I think because uh, she is very much. I think it's such a classic BSA role in this movie in terms of. Oh yes. Um, even how she shows up in the cat in the in the opening credits is like and Deborah Winger. Um, 
she yes. uh and and just like you know how much she's in the movie she has like a couple of like core scenes she has a big scene she has the 27 scene you know um mm-hmm. and uh so deborah winger and she's deborah winger um how many times can i say deborah winger so she i was reading <laughs> about this yesterday because i also had the same thought of like she's such a great actress like what happened on deborah winger so it looks like from what I had read in throughout the eighties, like she, her first big role was urban cowboy and that kind of like, um, yeah. put her on the map. And then I guess it, it seems like every once in a while she would be in a hit movie, but for the most part she was in a bunch of flops. And so she'd like make a movie mm. that where she like did really well, or she'd get a nomination or, or recognition. And then she'd follow it with like two or three movies that didn't do well. And, um, so that happened after Urban Cowboy, and then eventually she peaked again with Terms of Endearment, and she got an Oscar nomination for that. And then I think it, like, you know, I think she was, like, Officer and a Gentleman, and so, like, there were a couple movies throughout yeah. the 80s where she, her, you know, that were hits, and then she was in a bunch of flops, and then I think what happened is she got to a certain age, like, she got to, like, 40, and was just, like, there's no good roles for women at this age, and she just yeah. kind of retreated from acting, and so then... Rosanna Arquette actually like I guess in like 2006 because then uh Deborah Winger she's married to an actor Arliss Howard and then they did a movie together called Big Bad Love and that was kind of like her big return to movies after like six years and Mm co-starred Rosanna Arquette who had done a documentary not long before or after around that time called Searching for Deborah Winger which was kind of all about like sexism and ageism in Hollywood and kind of Deborah Winger being this like, you know, uh, I guess, uh, figurehead of, of that or a perfect example of that. And so, um, yeah, after that, I guess she's done, uh, a couple, she's done some movies and she's done some TV, but this was like one of, uh, the few movies roles, movie roles that she's done in the last like 20 years. Um, and I'd read somewhere and I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently originally, the role of Abby was going to be played by Isabella Rossellini, and then she dropped out, and Deborah Winger took the role. Whoa! And I could see that. I could see Isabella Rossellini playing this character. Like she could play cold and aloof so well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that I could see it. I mean, now, I mean, it's like when you, once you see something, you can't really like take it away as far as like because I just think that she kind of looks like Rosemary DeWitt Mm -hmm. and especially Rosemary DeWitt and I think it's just like and we're always sort of rooting for Deborah Winger anyway so I'm glad she got it but yeah Isabella we love her Um, I mean no regrets I'm glad it's Deborah Winger in the role I think she is so interesting and so like like there's something even from like the very beginning of when we first see her where I just feel on edge and I can feel her on edge and like yes I I'm you know it's kind of I guess maybe knowing that eventually she has that incredible fight with Kim later it's like I see what I see from the very beginning that all of that rage is still bubbling within her and was just like waiting to be catalyzed you know yeah I gosh it's like the fact that she showed up late and i was i was like why is she not here yet i Mm -hmm. I, it was like part of the movie that i couldn't figure out like obviously i know it's probably you know hard as like a light word to get together with the family and like obviously her and and bill Irwin's character are are separated too but um but they seem to be like on good terms you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it's not until later when you really see that fight when when like the word blame starts to come in because both like mm-hmm. two, the two of them are kind of at the forefront of 
if you are to blame someone because I mean, when you're going through grief and like feeling anger and like all that other stuff too, like someone has to be responsible or responsibility, I guess, too. And like, I don't know if you want to get into that fight now or talk more about Deborah Winger because there are some other moments. So I can, we can save that as well. Yeah. I mean, the other, I mean, the other little moments of Deborah Winger that I, because yes, the fight is really is the moment, but I, um, I even, I love that, like that first scene between Rachel and Abby when they're, you know, I guess like looking at like pieces of jewelry or something yeah Uh, like in the rain in the rain yeah and it's such a relief that like i forget that like that's like the first time we get away from kim in the entire movie and it's such a relief to be like just alone with rachel but i think what's really fascinating about that is that we see the specifics of rachel and abby's relationship and how rachel it like this is great direction this is great acting this is great writing of like without ever saying it, Rachel is trying to ask her mother to be more involved with her wedding, you know? And she's like, you know, if I, I hope it's okay, like everything, like Carol's are, is doing so much. And like, if you want to be doing anything else with this wedding, she's like, oh no, I'm more than happy to do the flowers. And like, you know me, I'd be one of those mothers. And it's like, that's what Rachel yeah. wants. She's like, I want you to be mm-hmm. one of those mothers. And and it's like, she's, she's either old enough or or too tired of trying, you know, to know that like she can't push that. Like she knows Abby's limits, you know? And I, yeah. I love, I love that scene. Like it's a scene that I, I should like whenever I, there's like certain moments, obviously in Rachel getting married that I'll like revisit. I'll just like rewatch that, that big blowout, you know, in the, um, after the salon, you know, just so I can see Anna Devere Smith crying in the corner. Like I'll rewatch that again just for fun <laughs> because that's what's fun. But I forget to rewatch, this scene and like all of the little mm-hmm. micro notes that Deborah Winger is playing, like she is, it's, it's kind of actually both of them, to be honest, like it's kind of genius, the little unspoken conversations and like unspoken sentiments of that scene. And it really like, there's moments where I feel like Deborah Winger is sounding kind of false, but then I think it's actually Abby sounding kind of false, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just like drenched in subtext. It's like neither person is saying what they really want to say. Mm-hmm. Or, and I, one thing I really love about Rosemary DeWitt too is like her thinking about what she's going to say next, or just like mm. kind of listening to Deborah Winger. Like I think those are her best moments. It's again, like you said, it's not like she raises her voice every once in a while, um, you know, in the fights with Kim too. But like uh, taking it in, processing it, having that sort of like analytical brain and like and knowing that she's also like getting her PhD and like study, you know, like because th- then I feel like you study everyone, including mm-hmm. your mother. And, and that's probably the person she's probably most interested to like figure out, so to speak. Yeah. But like at the same time, she cannot. It's still her mom, too. And like she doesn't want to push too hard. But I, I do love that scene, too, because I just want to know why I'm like, why don't you want to help out? Like, why, why are you distancing yourself from the family? I mean, but she knows why it's like, I think Deborah Winger has in many ways the most work to do still. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but like, like, who am I to say, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's uh, thinking about, cause yeah, Abby is, is so fascinating in this. And I think about, you know, what was this distance like before Ethan died? Is this all reactive mm-hmm. to Ethan dying and the divorce? And like, is she, cause you know, and this could be me reading very much into it, but 
when you kind of look at like Abby's life, like I think about Abby and Andrew's house and like, first of all, Andrew has like one line in the movie and I'm like, I know exactly who this man is. Like, yes, Abby's second husband. I'm like, oh my God, this is like such perfect casting because I just know exactly who this man is. Mm -hmm. And I even think of like their house and the way the house to me is also like exactly what I would picture. It feels like a fortress, Abby and Andrew's house. It's like the big brick fireplace and it's set back from the road. It's kind of all like there's no big open windows and you know and then they're like even the end of like you know dashing off to washington for a week like you know there's so much of abby hiding away from this family that she's Mm -hmm. not even that far away from you know like she's what a 20 minute drive who knows like not she's far she's close enough to come visit you know on a on a casual basis and yet it's like she's gone into hiding as much as she can from them and i just like I don't know. I, I that if that's the definitely like the character I'm probably most fascinated by because it's like I don't know. It's that sort of how people navigate grief, and it's as if she's like hiding away from her family and like just you know as if she's like gone into witness protection. And this is a new life with Andrew with new priorities where um, these this this family that she used to be a part of now they're just neighbors. You know. Yeah, and and. I feel like it takes every ounce of her energy just to be at the wedding, yeah. which is probably why she's late. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the idea of just like smiling and putting on a, a face and and persevering, I guess, or moving forward. Like how do you move forward really mm-hmm. from a tragedy like that too? But like so many years later of how... I mean, even... I But I, I do love that first scene where it's like a very, it's like a very close like group of people and everyone's just like saying hi to her and and like kim walks like right up to her she's like hi kim she's like oh kim don't smoke right you shouldn't be smoking in here and she's like it's fine and and then she like waits a moment and then like a couple sentences later she's like kim put put that out please you know yeah it's the way that she she's just nice enough but also like she's just drenched in grief yeah and i love to see it i love to see it (laughs) i mean it is it's great. Like that that work that she's doing is exceptional. Like I would have given her a nomination too, especially for like the rain scene with Rachel and then um, you know, the fight. It's it's turbulent. It's really, really rocky and but it's it it presents itself as calm and put together. But you know, you know as soon as you see her that like she's going through it. Yeah. Still going through it. And yeah, and so that of course does does lead us to Kim um going to her mother's house after the big, you know, the big fight in the family room with, with the rest of the family and, you know, going to Abby's to get some kind of sympathy. And Abby is just like, it's getting blood from a stone. And so um, I feel like even, even when Rachel's like, she's asking for a glass of water and Abby's like, I made tea as if like, well, I can give you this. This is how much I can give you. I can offer you this. And yes. uh, And then, of course, Kim, you know, wants to get into it of like, why did you leave me with him? And there's a great I mean, of all of the acting choices in the scene, the way that Abby's face kind of starts to go blank as Kim is like pushing the topic. And she's like, you were good with him. You were good. Like the, the, the progression of the anger from like the pleasantries dropping to kind of like, no, no, you were, no, you were fine. You were good with him. And then she gets angrier. Like, you were good with him. Um, you were the best oh. you were with him. And like, there's like, just in like insisting on not seeing the problem here. And, uh, and, and it's, 
Oh my god, it's just magical when she explodes. It is it is Beatrice Strait in Network levels of explosion <laughs> yeah. when she goes. Well, you, I didn't expect you to kill him. I, I just. Oh my god, that moment and like just the way that Kim slash Anne Hathaway is reacting in that moment, and and Abby's like on top of her of like, well, you weren't supposed to kill him. Like it's what a like just such a such a massive response and like the roar the deborah winger roar goes right up there yeah, she with has a great diane weist yeah Ugh. yes i love how her voice cracks mm-hmm. the first time she says you were good with him mm-hmm. and then it just goes and then it's like i love how like choreographed and unchoreographed that is because it's like she like Deborah Winger like grabs Anne Hathaway's shoulder and like shakes her and she's like and it's kind of awkward it's like Anne's trying to get up but Deborah like pushes her down Mm -hmm. and eventually like uh Anne's able to like stand up and then Deborah Winger slaps oh she punches punches her her. that's the other thing too mm -hmm. it's like that yeah the the black eye is not from the car accident the black eye is from Abby yeah (laughs) the next day at the wedding yeah her own mother like and what a punch. Oh, a total sucker punch. Like, she doesn't even slap her. She punches her in the face. And, yes. oh, my God, the the reaction shot after of, of Kim's, I was like, Anne, Anne, this is yes. acting. And and yeah. then she just returns it. And there's, and like, and Abby, like, screams when she hits her. And then it cuts. Oh, my God. Yes, and then it cuts. Oh. Yes. What a great choice. Because oh. who knows what else happened and i love that we'll never know right and i think it was just enough yeah it's such a great scene and you know you think like at that point it's almost like that would be the last time we would see abby in in another movie but it's i mean she does show up at the wedding the next day and i i think there's like very sort of tentative like i think towards when they're saying goodbye there's like very tentative interactions with kim but one of the moments that i love in this movie is between Paul and Abby after the wedding with the wedding, which is beautiful. Like the, the ceremony really is the speech, like her speech, him singing. I, I don't think I ever fully appreciated him singing the, the um, Neil Young song. I was like, Oh, that is oh, kind of so beautiful. beautiful. Uh, and so then after they, they kiss, um, you know, and everybody's kind of filing out Paul and Abby hug and like Paul yes. just gives her that like he like puts his hand on the back of her head like it's one of those hugs and then yeah. they they make eye contact and then he just like has this big kind of like laugh cry moment and it's yes. so and like she kind of gives as much back as she can and i just like that moment is so incredible because it's just like ever like these two people all of this history and all of this trauma and all of this like grief in between them and like and and yet here is their daughter that they conceived and raised, you know, getting married. And like without saying any of that, they're able to kind of share that moment. But then she breaks it and she's like, she's like okay, all right. And she like moves away and like moves outside past him. And I yeah. just thought like the storytelling that that happened in that like five seconds was just, ah, just so good. Yeah, the guilt of allowing yourself to feel joy again mm-hmm. when you're in the midst of grief. It's like that's that's like my sort of takeaway from that. It's like I still don't feel like I could ever be happy or deserve to be happy or it's so complicated. But it's like I'm glad that um, that Paul can get there. You yeah. Know, as, as sort of like 
he has his own hangups, you know what I mean? Like he's kind of a, really just on top of Kim the entire movie as well too, mm-hmm. to like an annoying extent, but he kind of has to be. And then he's also as a result of that ignoring Rachel. Um, but he is the, where Rachel is actually the glue. It's like Paul thinks he's the glue, I guess, but it's not like, I don't know. It's like, uh, he's just like bubble gum, glue. you know? He's, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes, yes. It gets stuck on your shoe and it's like, Oh, for God's sake. Like when she comes back from the first AA meeting and she's barely across the street and he's like, I have a meatloaf sandwich and a full glass of milk for you. Like it's, yes. and she's like, okay. I mean, it sounds great, but also, yeah. It was like, uh, yeah. It was like, okay, can I put the bike down? Um, yes. Yeah. It, yes, it yes, really, yes. uh, he's, I think he's a very fascinating character and I think, uh, part of what has maybe gotten Paul through all of this is Carol, uh, played by the <sighs> indomitable Anna Devere Smith, in I think is really one of my favorite movie performances. I think it's just <laughs> I think it's honestly yes yeah yes it like it's incredible how the movie is never about her. I say this all I've said this too many times, but it's it bears repeating. The movie is never about her, but she is always so present in every scene and like whenever she does have a moment, like I just see it's so fully like realized, which is such a lofty thing to say, but like I think of even little things about yes, her bringing having the diet coke and that like when she says it's just Emma staying at the house and there's that like knowing nod that she gives to Kim in the car of like, I like that Carol is a bit of a Switzerland, you know, like she's I, like, mm-hmm. you can tell that she is a, uh, a, a very sort of warm, strong, you know, energy in the house. And I don't, and I don't think Kim dislikes her. I think she thinks she's a little ridiculous at moments, you know, but I don't think she, harbors any real like you know resentment against carol you know yeah i i just really love anna Devere smith i mean we've talked about her before too but like she is most certainly one of those actresses that whenever i know she's in something i'm i'm 10 times more likely to tune in yeah you know yeah <laughs> i feel like i mean she is you know she's an actress she's a playwright she's also a professor um, yeah, she, I, I mean, eventually, Colin will get into the West Wing. I feel like that's something that like we need to cover, but also as a huge investment of time, even for just like Alice and Janney oh, and yeah. like all the other fabulous women in that show too. But um, I just think that uh, she is—I don't know. She's like so grounded mm-hmm. and knows exactly who she is outside of you know acting, and which is like. I feel like such a gift when you are acting. I, I, I just am in awe of her. And I'm really, I know she had like a one woman show at one point too. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know more about her. I want to know what else she's done. It's kind of opened up the, uh, the can of uh, curiosity, I guess, of, of finding out more about her and watching or consuming more Anna Devere Smith. But in, in the, this movie, <clears throat> like you said, it's, it's not really a role that you should, remember i guess but she makes it a role to remember she has just enough to do and the camera is paying just enough attention to her yeah yeah that's the thing is like it's she never she doesn't really have any sort of plot points but like within all the plot points she has a moment and so i think you know in that car scene we have that sort of knowing nod between Kim and carol and there's even that that gif that we've talked about of her just like looking at kim and kind of just making like kind of 
like licking her upper lip or something and like turning around and looking at Kim in the car um, where she's like, oh, there's a moment there. She's doing something. Um, but I also love what one of my favorite little nuances is during the rehearsal dinner. I think it's when Abby and Andrew show up and Rachel and Kim are saying hello to them. And there's a shot back to Paul and Carol and they're standing at the table and it's the smallest nuance, but Carol puts her hand in the pocket of her, like of her, like sort of, uh, you know, shirt, like the, over, it's like sort of like a, you know, a dress shirt that's open. It's sort of, I don't know, whatever it is. It's a shirt with a pocket and she puts her hand in it. And for some reason that has always stuck with me as like perfect choice. Like Carol putting a hand in the pocket is telling me everything I need to know about Carol in this moment. (laughs) I didn't notice it. I wish I had. Oh, it's it's so good to go back. It's so good. Um, And then, yeah, when they get back to the house and there's the whole fight, I think we talked about this during one of our, like, you know, uh, BSAs, I, whatever one where she was my BSA of something recently. Um, but there's, they have the whole scene after the rehearsal dinner and it carries into the kitchen and there's that one shot of, I'm forgetting his name, but Rachel's fiance, uh, Sydney. Uh, they sing Sydney, it. Yeah. Sydney, Sydney. I, I should remember this. Yes. Um, but there's the one shot of Sydney and Carol sitting alone in the living room and it's, and they don't say anything. I think maybe Carol looks at Sydney, but it's like such a brilliant choice because it's like, yeah, you you two will always be on the sidelines of this party's fight, of this family's fight. You know, like you'll always yeah. be guests, but you'll never be part of the fight. Mm-hmm. Because Carol does try to intervene. Mm-hmm. She's and and it's like logical, and it's like she's trying to be the voice of reason. She's like Kim, Kim. She's like I I, I forget. I think I wrote it down too. She said. uh... Oh, I thought I wrote it down, but that's okay. Um, but and then Kim is just like, okay, thanks, Carol, because Carol's gonna be Carol to her. Like it's not mm-hmm. her mother; it's just her stepmom. Um, yeah, but I'm like, how dare you disrespect Carol? I know. <laughs> Carol says like nobody can make you feel any way without you letting them. That's it. Full yes, stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then she's like, thank you, Carol. But. You know, and, and that's where I was like, okay, this is like, I feel like that told us a lot about Carol as well of like, she, I feel like she's probably done a lot of therapy. She's probably like done a lot of work on herself. I feel like she might do Reiki, you know? Um, and so yes. like, that's, I feel like to me, it's like, this is why Paul was drawn to Carol is because she has a very sort of healing energy about her um, yeah. that like, I think has helped him kind of stabilize post Ethan. Um, I also love in terms of like tiny little ref- nuances of Carol's uh, is after they find out Rachel's pregnant and they're all kind of going to bed and there's a moment of like Carol, like saying that she's going to go to bed and it's, cl- it, this is so small. It's clear that she's like pushed her hair up and back in that way that people do. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm exhausted. And she's mm-hmm. like, her, so her hair is kind of tousled and she's like, I'm sorry. I need, I think I need to go to bed. It's like, and she just kind of was like, I just, I mean, Oh my God. And then they hug and it's, and it's like, it's this extra long hug. And I just, I love that. I love that. Like, yes, Carol, like Anna DeVere Smith is perfectly performing. I need to go to bed. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it feels like family. It's like, I, I feel like these people, like, it's like how I would want to direct a movie like this. I feel like, like I think of like Wet Hot American Summer of just like that that whole bunch of like goofballs hanging out at like a summer camp and just like 
drinking every night and getting to know each other. Not really the same case here, but I do. I just I really feel like they lived in that house for a week before they started building yeah. in my mind mm-hmm. and just really got to like did the groundwork or laid the groundwork rather. And I think that's the reason why. I mean, I, it's also, you know, because of their great acting too. like Rosemary DeWitt and Anne Hathaway in the bed talking about that figure skater. Like, I think that it's half like acting and half just like chemistry too i think it's chemistry with like who they are on and off screen yeah yeah because it, 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 it does it feels like you know bill Irwin and anna devere smith are actually married like i i want to believe yeah. that they're like they've been they've known each other they've been friends they've worked together before because they just have such a great chemistry um like i i just think it's like i don't know there's something about them that it does it all feels so real that i'm like you guys had to have been doing this for a while uh mm-hmm. Of course, all of this is leading us to uh, probably the reason we're doing this episode, which is about two seconds in the entire movie of uh, Anna Devere Smith of Carol crying alone in the family room. It's I think it is yes. the the cherry on the Sunday of why I love this movie. They have that whole thing after the the salon. I feel I will say that that moment of the stylist confronting Rachel and like saying like and and how you inspired me with the story of you know, your sister's anorexia and your uncle molesting you and all that. It's like, A, why, if this was all meant to be confidential, why would he be saying it all out loud in front of the guy doing Kim's highlights, you know? Um, yes. But also the idea that he's saying it loud enough for Rachel to hear all the way across the salon with her head, you know, in the hair washing bucket. I know. She should have been next to her yeah. rather than like 15 feet away. I don't know why they blocked it that way, but fine. And I've, I've had to just kind of accept like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it facilitated this moment, but then Rachel leaves and, you know, they, uh, you know, so they have that whole scene in the family room and then Rachel, you know, has that, that monologue of like, have I sacrificed every bit of love you know, uh, for what I've done. And then she, you know, in a way it's like, she, I think her emotions are real, but I think she's also using them to get out of a situation where she knows she's in the wrong. Um, I think that's one of the things about that moment that I only appreciated, like after multiple viewings was, uh, Anne Hathaway as Kim is sometimes she's playing false notes like Abby does. Like it's not Anne Anne Hathaway playing false notes. It's Kim playing false notes. And so she mm-hmm. leaves the room and then Paul starts crying and Rachel leaves him. And then it just cuts to this shot of, of Carol, who we know has been in the room, who really only has like one line during the fight after Rachel says like, you know, something about like them being molested. And, and you know, Carol says, what? And that's the only line that she has yes. in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. At the aftermath of it all is it cuts to her just sitting there, you know, at the side table or whatever, you know, crying. And it's perfect. It is so brilliant of, like, mm-hmm. the stepmother's role in all of this. And yeah. it's Anna Devere Smith, obviously, just giving us a great little crying moment. But it's, like, the the choice, the inclusion of it. Like, Jenny Lumet, the writer, writing it. Or Jonathan Demme, the director, including it. Or whoever edited the movie, including that moment. We didn't need it. Carol wasn't an yes. essential part of that scene, but to end that scene on her, to give her that moment, I just, I'm obsessed with when a movie gives a supporting character the entire movie for a moment, you know? Yeah, it's one of our favorite things. It is, you know, Sandy Dennis at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are there are other things that we've talked about on this podcast where directors decide to linger with women a little while longer and if it's crying even better great perfect (laughs) yeah even even sweeter 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it is because I'm sure that this is not the first blowout that, you know, um, Carol has seen. But maybe it's one of the one of the like the deeper cuts, I guess, too, and like the fact that she herself just allowed herself to go there as an actress, and, and I'm sure just like watching that scene, even yeah. just like, like the crew watching that scene, it's like how can you not be affected by that? I suppose, and I, I mean, just this anyone sitting at a ta- like a little, it's like a little side table there. Mm-hmm. She's just kind of like, like she didn't really even need to be in the room because even in. Um, previous scenes too everyone just kind of clears the room and close the doors when they know it's happening or maybe this was that fight as well but yeah this the was fact that, fight, that carol yeah. decided to stay for whatever reason I, i'm so glad she did yeah I, and, and then what that that was that's what's so interesting about this scene is exactly that point is like people clear the room and close the doors emma leaves that the sort of you know wedding assistant who's been kind of doing dishes and whatnot she you know she leaves like everyone knows it's as if they've been through this before. Like, okay, like this is a family moment. You know, we're all out. But Carol has inclusion in that. Like she technically, when she married Paul, she got inclusion in these conversations. But like there is that, I mean, it's such a, I think it's such a fascinating topic, maybe because I have a stepdad and like I've seen this play out is like Mm -hmm. there is a very specific lane for the step parent. And like, yeah. it's tricky and i think like i you know we did the, the father i would totally watch a movie called the stepmother where it's just watching a stepmother like navigate that space i mean i guess there's that movie stepmom yes. <laughs> yeah uh but i'll watch another movie of it like it's uh, yeah it's still such an interesting topic and i think um that's what i kind of enjoy about Anna Devere Smith in this movie is that throughout I'm always thinking of her as like the stepmom in the family and like how the frequency that she plays is very specific versus you know sort of the core family or Emma you know even like Emma who's been around longer than Carol you know yeah I I love it I love that that was what you sort of remembered from the first time you watched it and it's kind of just it's like it's it's a reference, but it's also like a, a funny sort of reference too. But it's also like more than that. It it's it's really impactful within the scene. Like it is the perfect button. Yeah. Um. At the end of that scene, to just like choose to pan over to her, and just to see how how it's affecting. And maybe she represents like everyone else in their lives. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm sure everyone else in their lives. I almost said like is tired of Kim's shit. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like it's. It does. I can imagine, like, even the going into the wedding, like, everyone knows about Kim. Everyone's been prepped. Everyone knows that, like, Kim is, like, the ticking time bomb and stuff like that, too. So it's it's all part of the, the experience. And to see that through, like you said, the lens of a stepmother. And she's not a moderator or a mediator, whatever you want to say. Like, because you said she only has one line in the scene. She's not really adding to anything. She's just existing. Yeah. And, Maybe providing support for Paul. Who knows? Right. I, I don't know. There it's... is one moment where he does like turn and look at her and we don't see her, but we just see him almost looking. That's a that's an interesting point that like she might be there to kind of keep Paul grounded or to keep him feeling yeah. comfortable because it's almost like he looks to kind of make sure she's there um, or to like yeah. con- or to, yeah. like make a kind of moment of connection with her as things get tense. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, like every little acting choice she has when the phone rings after Kim disappears. I was just going to say, oh. call on the phone. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like runner up. I was like the fake out for oh. that catering phone call. 
I love how she runs down the hall and she's like, she's like just <laughs> the hustle. The hustle. She's just. <laughs> She's just old enough that she like, you know, she's like, ooh, I kind of like, like that kind of hurt a little bit, but I'm going to keep on running. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. And like the furrowed brow and just like, and then she's like, she takes her time to tell everyone that it's the caterer. Like she doesn't give anyone like, oh, I just, I loved that. I'm so glad you noticed that. (laughs) Of course I did. I had it in all caps. The fake out. Uh, like, oh. and it's like the, I don't know. I just I love that Carol gets that moment. I love that Carol. Like I love that Anna Devere Smith. To me, it's like she put all this thought into how to perform. Carol answering the phone. There's even a moment of her looking for the phone, seeing it, and going, "Oh, there it is." And like, like yes, she, yes. the little hustle, like the little hands, the the kind of huh face as she's listening to the yes, caterer. Yes, it's. It's just, it's, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just love it. Um, yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, the last thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I feel yeah, like I'm going to say that. Maybe you're, you're about to say you the other thing. You say it. You do <laughs> if, it. If it is, I'm going to scream. But it, it's very small. And it was just like, oh, yay. I'm glad you get this too. It's just like at the very end when they, um, when uh, uh, Rachel <laughs> yes, and Sydney kiss yes, and she waves yes, the hanky. Yes. I was like, oh my god, can this possibly get better? Oh, I I said the hanky. (laughs) When she waves, I was so, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was at the wedding when she stands up and she's waving that little hanky thing. Um, Oh, it was so good. It's and we get to see her and Paul dancing later in the at the you know yes the after party and like she just oh she's great. You know, and and just as a as a point of comparison, I loved every shot of Abby and Andrew sitting at the wedding. I was like, oh, there's me sitting at the wedding. I was like, oh, is that what it looks like? Oh my god, (laughs) Uh, like sitting with with Olive. I was like, I. I felt like I completely identified with Abby at the wedding. I would have been so overwhelmed yeah. at that wedding. But uh, yes. but that is an interesting comparison of like Carol is right there in it. And Abby is like, you know, sitting off to the side with a dog. Like that says so much about the difference, about how the roles they're each playing in like Rachel's life, you know? Yep. Uh, oh, that hanky. That hanky. I'm so glad that, uh, yeah. That, that, that was, you know, and it's funny, I've seen that before, but it wasn't until this most recent viewing that I really appreciated that. I was like, look at her go. And nobody, nobody told her to do that. No one. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's just magic. It really is. Yeah. I wanted to mention, I know we're kind of like reaching the, the, the end here, but um, Carol Jean Lewis, who plays Sydney's mom, who has that monologue that you were talking oh. about right at the beginning of, I prayed for you, Rachel. It's just like the way that her, like, it's such a specific voice. She's like, and I knew you would come. I, I'm not even doing it justice. Mm-hmm. She's like, and here you are. And we are one, all of us, and this is how it is in heaven, just like this. And I'm so glad we're having a rehearsal on it, which made me, it's like, it was like the, that's all you need to say. Like, I would not Mm want to go after her because it was just uh, perfect. Yeah. I I, I think that's just like, that has to be mentioned before we end. Oh, I agree. That was a, that was a beautiful little moment. Uh, I loved her. She like, uh, I feel like I've seen the trailer for this movie many times and, and she always gets included in the trailer. Um, of, of mm-hmm. saying it's like at the very end of the trailer it always includes her saying and this is how it is in heaven um, yeah. because then they also always include um, may all your ups and downs be 
in the bedroom from that other guy yes. in the cowboy shirt. Yeah. Uh, I want to just mention before we wrap up that I have always had a crush on Kieran, played by Mather Zickel. Oh, my goodness. He is so my type of guy. Like, way he, like it, everything about him, I'm like, yep. Yeah, Matthew Zickel kind of has, like, slight George Clooney vibes. Yeah. Like, there's something dark and brooding about him. And even the way he looks, too. But also, um, I don't know if you know who Adam Pally is. Do you yes. know Adam Pally? Yes. He, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, if you put George Clooney and Adam Pally together, um, you get Matthew Zickel. Yeah. And uh, really a great performance and... Um, sort of like foil to Kim and stuff like that. Like, I in ways I wanted to know more about him, but I'm glad that, you know, we got just enough of him at the same time. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that they had that big kiss at the end. Like, I was like, oh, there was some, yeah, some sense of <clears throat> of you know, uh, who knows? I mean, chances are they'll probably never see each other again. But I think uh, I liked that they, at least there was like a, a a suggestion that maybe they could see each other again. Um, or at yeah, least I feel some like connection. he's good for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really enjoyed. There was, I mean, there were a couple like surprising little cameos. Uh, I mean, I feel like the one you would have probably, I, I assumed you recognized Annalie Ashford as the quick stop yeah. cashier. Hey, didn't I see you on Cops? Oh yeah, my that god, was my opening. I love that. I forgot. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that's, and I was like, I don't know when she, you know, won the Tony or whatever on when she kind of blew up on Broadway. If this was before or after that but like what a get to have her in that like perfect one-line role yeah Yeah. yes it was great Uh, i also really liked um i had recognized rosa played by rosalind ruff she's a new york actor i've I've seen in like two or three things but and i feel like i keep thinking i've seen in more but um i liked i liked kind of the there was a lot implied about rosa that we don't know i mean the mere fact that she comes and picks up kim at the end i mean my question is, like, does Kim go back to rehab at the end? Is that what that means? Yeah, I'd assume so. Yeah, yeah. there's something sort of open-ended, but also, like, she had a destination. Like, she had somewhere to go after it. And, yeah. Um, but I, I loved Rosa. Yeah. She, the way she says, good luck to you, Kim. Good luck to yeah. you. Like, there was, like, all yeah. that subtext. I really loved her. Yeah. I love that opening shot with, of course, Sebastian Stan, who's now, you know. Ooh. Uh, yes. Also, he, we stand. Yes, Sebastian. we stand, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that opening shot of the three of them, like him in the background, Rosa in the middle, and Anne in the foreground, it's just like such a great opening. Um, yeah. But oh, I'm looking at a picture of him now. He is fabulous. Oh, yeah. Look at delicious. him. Wait a minute. I know. There's going to be. Oh my God. He is. There's going to be a TV mini series called Pam and Tommy about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, <gasps> and he's playing Tommy Lee. Whoa. Wait, do they... Oh, okay. Lily James is playing Pamela Anderson. Do you know who that is? Is she the one from Cinderella and like Downton Abbey? I am scrolling. Am I thinking? Yes, of- she was in Cinderella, and she played young Donna in Mamma Mia. That is an interesting Mia. choice. Here but, we go again. Uh, okay. Young Donna. Young Donna. Yeah, and Downton Abbey. Instagram handle. Young Donna. <laughs> young yeah. Donna. Um- <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I am now officially so excited about that. Uh, That's yeah, thrilling. Yeah. And the only other person I wanted to just mention, because I really love her, is uh, there's this uh, the the girl at the 12 step center where when uh, Kim says that she needs to pee into a cup and she says she needs to pee into a cup. 
yes. I love her. Show. I know exactly who that receptionist is. Yes. Yeah. And she's played by Quincy Tyler Bernstein. I've seen her. She's also a New York actor um, who I've seen in a few things. And I most know her from. And this this was something that came out in 2004 and we're in 2021. So, you know, I don't. I don't know if it'd be considered problematic today, but she was in a Chappelle show sketch called when keeping it real goes wrong. And I'm saying it because, and I'll send it to you because it's at a point in my life, like with like my roommate, like this was, we just quoted this video all the time. I mean, for the, maybe the two people listening who know this reference, the infamous line is like, I don't like people playing on my phone and I'll send it to you. Like you have, so so you have context, (laughs) but like, that is the line. There's so many lines from it. Like use a bitch. And so is your aunt anyway. um, So I know her also from that. So in some ways she is iconic to me because I've quoted her, you know, on and off for the past 17 years. But uh, lovely. That's, I think everybody I need to talk about and special love to Olive, whose real name is Olive. Oh yay! I the last one I would say is Tamira Gray. Oh right, who plays the singer mm-hmm. who was on season one of American Idol. She plays fourth, and she was my favorite. And when I when she got voted off, I was really pissed. But I I do love Kelly, obviously. Oh um, yeah, I did remember that. I was like, oh, wasn't but she, she was great? Idol? I yeah. loved her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm glad she was like sort of involved. Yeah, I like I feel I like, like okay. there were a lot of people in this cast that I probably don't recognize who are kind of like you know big name like performers or musicians i mean the guy who plays yeah. sydney he was also like you know in this band tv on the radio uh oh fun and i guess is an actor as well but uh there was just like and i think the there was just like a lot of i felt like the at the you know wedding reception i kept thinking like that that dj that lady with the glasses on i was like i bet she's somebody i bet she's somebody oh, yeah. and i don't know yes. you know yeah um but That's anyway cool. Uh yeah, Rachel getting married. Great, great movie. It really is. I it's like it's not something that I want to watch again soon, but I love the idea of revisiting like it every couple years just to kind of check in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in with right. These women. Kind of revisit it and see like you know how does it feel yeah. now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's not a. It's not a drum line marching into our uh, our tent oh, right God, now, yes. but it is it is the band playing us off. We're getting, the orchestra. Here it is, our own personal drum line. Um, well, as we're getting played off, where can folks find more of you? They can find me every Tuesday on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. And they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kachanov. How about you, Colin? Well, you can find more of me on my other podcasts, All Right, Mary, talking about Drag Race, or In the Details, a celebration of nuance. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, and of course, you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod on Twitter. Or you can email us at thebsapod at gmail.com. Well, uh, as per usual, keep your peepers peeled because we have an after show coming out on Friday and I have no idea what we're going to talk about because we're about to record it. So uh, it's going to be fun for all of us to find out. But uh, until then, you know, a big thank you to pretty much everyone and everything involved in Rachel getting married. I feel like this was a real group effort. (laughs) Yes, Anna DeVere Smith. 
Anne Hathaway, all the way down to like Annalie Ashford. It was just a joy to watch. I was just like, oh, oh. All the Anne's and Anna's. Just the emotional journey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Triple A. Yeah. The triple A girls. This movie is a triple A. Uh, well, I think that, as they say, is that.